you've sort of changed directions just a little bit tonight, but God knows what he's doing, and so we're going to trust the Lord with that, and we'll just give you a few simple thoughts tonight. I don't think we'll be lengthy, but Mark chapter 1 in your Bibles, I've got verse 21 down on your screen, but we're going to back up just a little bit if it's okay with you and start in verse number 14 just to give us just a little bit more context of what's going on here tonight. So Mark chapter 1, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And I want to talk to you tonight about this subject, why the devil goes to church. You say, Pastor, that's absurd. The devil would never go to church. Let me tell you something, folks. The devil's more faithful than a lot of Baptists. And so we're going to see that tonight in our scripture. And so Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Now I want you to really notice verses 21 through 28 tonight. And they went into Capernaum. And straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority, not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee? Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? By the way, that was a little bit of a slam, just in case, just in case you didn't know that. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who, who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region, Roundabout Galilee. You may be seated tonight. And I want to talk to you just a few minutes about that subject, why the devil goes to church. Why the devil goes to church. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and thank you for the opportunity to, to be back at Calvary. And we're grateful for the service. And uh, Lord, all the music and the congregational singing and the beautiful special that the young ladies and those that were on the instruments, Lord, we thank you for them. And God, we just appreciate you letting us be here tonight. And Lord, truly, this is a midweek refueling time. We talked about the importance of midweek today on our on Countdown to Courage, on the broadcast. 
And Lord, it's important that we're here for fellowship. It's important that we're here for the music. It's important that we're here for the giving. And it's also important that we're here because of the word of God. And so Lord, I pray that you'll knit our hearts together now and and I pray that we'll be encouraged and I pray that we'll be challenged. And God, I pray that we'll leave this place, although we're tired tonight, I pray that we'll leave this place being able to say, I'm so glad I came. And I pray most of all that Jesus Christ that we just read about, I pray that he will receive all the glory and the praise and the honor. I pray, God, that he will be exalted and lifted up. Lord, I pray that you'll save that soul that is lost and undone without Jesus Christ. And I pray they'll come to a saving knowledge of the Lord tonight. I pray that you'll encourage that child of God that's a little discouraged. And maybe they've not confided in anyone tonight, but they're discouraged. And I pray tonight will be a great night of encouragement for them. I pray that this will make sense, and I pray it'll be interesting. But not only interesting, but life-changing. And so, Father, come now and help us. Lord, breathe upon us. We sang it in that first song. Lord, accept the, accept the Spirit of the Holy One. Come down, all will be in vain. And so, Lord, please help us tonight. Fill us with your Spirit. Forgive us for our sins, please. We love you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Put a picture on the screen here for you tonight, if I could. Part, partially because of this great church right here. It was July of 2019. My wife and I had the privilege of standing in this very synagogue that we read about tonight in Mark chapter 1. Man, what a, what a privilege. Uh, Capernaum is known as the hometown of Jesus and right perched right there on the side of the Sea of Galilee, and, uh, and, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, this was, for me at least, this was, was a highlight of our trip for me. I couldn't wait to go to Capernaum, and, and, uh, and we went that day, and we, we saw several of, of the, the, the places of the Lord, and one of the places we were able to visit was the uh, home of, of uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, where the Lord Jesus Christ went in, and he uh, touched her and healed her, and she got out of bed and served him, the Bible says, and we were able to, to visit uh, Capernaum. We were able to hold Bible study there in Capernaum that day and uh, under one of the shade trees. And, and it was just a, it was a beautiful place. But one of the things that we were able to do is we were able to actually walk in the actual synagogue. And they believe that this is the actual synagogue, the physical synagogue, where the Lord Jesus Christ himself taught. Now, a lot of places in Israel, they'll say this is, Possibly the place that this happened. This may be the place this happened. This is the historical, you know, location where they believe it probably happened. But there's a few places that when you visit in Israel, and you will, Lord willing, when the nation begins to open back up, and Lord willing, we're going to take a crowd over there. But there are a few places where they'll say, this is the actual spot. This is the, probably the actual, the actual street where Jesus Christ himself walked with his own feet. He walked on these actual stones. They said that a few times while we were there, and I'm going to be honest, my wife and I, we just sort of knelt down and just rubbed it. I just wanted to rub it. Just, just to think about that the Lord Jesus Christ was there. And this, at least they believe, was the actual synagogue recorded in Mark chapter 1. Boy, to say that this is a special day for this synagogue in Capernaum is putting it lightly. 
Boy, on this day in Mark chapter 1, the preacher of all preachers has just arrived at the pulpit. The, and I, I thought about this. The living Word of God is preaching the written Word of God in this place of worship on this day in which we just read about in Mark chapter 1. Oh, there's been, I'm sure, many rabbis that have come through this synagogue and they have presented the Torah and the law and all those things, but there's never been a rabbi like this one. There's never been a teacher. There's never been a master like this one that has graced this religious institution like the day that Jesus came by. In fact, our Bible goes on to tell us here that in Mark chapter 1 and verse number 22, look there if you will, Mark chapter 1, verse number 22, the Bible says, and they were astonished at his doctrine. I love that. I love to do word studies. Brother Looney and I were having that, we were having that conversation before we came in tonight. I do. I love word studies. And, and I looked up that word astonished, and they were astonished at his doctrine. And it means this, it means to expel by a blow. In other words, what it is saying is this, that they were literally blown away by his teaching. There was no one that ever taught like this man. There was no one that ever had this kind of authority, this kind of a message, this kind of a lesson. And they were literally, on this day, they were literally blown away by the, by the message and by the sermon and by the teaching of the man of God. But I think one of the things that's really, really unique about this story and about this place right here is that one of the folks that is attending this synagogue is filled with the demon spirit. And honestly, church, I believe this. I believe he's been there for a while. I really, uh, uh, you know, uh, we wouldn't debate about it, but, but I, I believe that the Bible seems to imply that this demon-possessed man has been there for some time. Verse number 23, the Bible says, and there was there in their synagogue, and there was, uh, and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Now, he did cry out on this day. But I've just got to believe that this demon-possessed man had probably been there for many, many days, maybe even months. And, uh, and the reason that he cried out this day is because there was one teacher that finally got his attention. You have to ask yourself a question. What business does a devil have at a place of worship? What's a demon doing, and I know this wasn't the church, this was a synagogue, but it was a place where the Jewish people came together to worship. And so you have to ask yourself a question. What business does a devil have at a place of worship? Real quickly, tonight, I want to I give you just a few thoughts on why the devil goes to church. Number one, just interesting tonight, I want you to notice, first of all, the location of this devil. Look, if you will, at Mark chapter 1, verse number 23. Again, the Bible says in verse number 23, and there was there in their synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit. Now, again, I want, I want, of course, I want everybody to listen, but I especially want our youth and our young people and our teenagers and our young adults, I really want you to, to hear me out. The Bible says, and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. I want you to notice the location of this devil. This devil was in the synagogue. 
You say, preacher, I know that. I just read that. And I, I know you do. I'm just trying to make a point here. I want you to understand that this devil was not in hell. You know, people often mistakenly believe, they believe that the devil and his demons are in hell and they're just sort of waiting for lost people to get there. And when lost people get to hell, they're going to torment those lost people in hell. Uh, truth of the matter is, nothing can be further from the truth. Did you know that demons and devils don't want to go to hell any more than anybody else wants to go to hell? Uh, now, uh, now, truly speaking, tonight, Scripture tells us that there are some angels that are chained in darkness. Second Peter chapter 2, verse number 4 alludes to that. Jude chapter 1, verse number 6 talks about that. But I want you to understand that Satan and the majority of his angels are not in hell. They're not in hell. Somebody says one of these days when people go to hell, they're going to see Satan in hell. Satan is not in hell. People think, well, hell is the home of Satan. Hell is not the home of Satan. Now, one of these days, Satan's going to go to hell because God's going to put him there. But he's not going to be there until God finally puts him in hell. Now, we're so mixed up nowadays, and we're so confused, and Hollywood's got us so messed up, and we watch these little cartoons, and it shows the devil, and he's in this little red outfit, and he's got a, he's got a pointed tail, and he's got a pitchfork in his hand, and he's down there sort of running hell. He's sort of the governor of hell. He's sort of the concierge of hell. Recently, uh, U.S. News and World Report, I think they came out with a, uh, you know, with a magazine, and they on the front cover of the magazine, they... They showed a picture of hell and there were, you know, little demons in hell and they had trays and they were serving martinis and then there was a group over here on one little precipice of hell and they were playing beach volleyball and there was another few over here and they were sitting in easy chairs and getting some sun from the fire and all that kind of thing. And I'm telling you, that, that, that's about as messed up as messed up can be. That's not what hell is going to be. Uh, the demons are not going to serve you in hell and the devil is not looking forward to being in hell. And again, I, I just want to, I, I want you to understand something that that Satan and his angels are not in hell but rather they are active in this present world and so I'm preaching this because I want us to take heed first Peter chapter 5 verse number 8 says it like this be sober be vigilant because your adversary that's an enemy because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Are you listening to me, young people? Are you listening to me tonight? I promise you, your preacher's trying to help you tonight. He walks about seeking whom he may devour. Devour. It's the Greek word katapino. It means this. It means to drink down. It means to gulp entire. You ever, you ever given someone a drink and they were very thirsty and they just downed it right in front of you? You turned around for a second, looked back, and you thought, did you just drink all of that? It's gone. Do you know that's what the Bible is teaching us when the Bible says that Satan wants to devour you and Satan wants to devour me. He wants to attack you in such a way that there is literally nothing left. 
He wants to ruin your testimony. He doesn't want to just hurt you. He doesn't want to just wound you. He wants to take you out. Amen. He wants to take you out of your marriage. He wants to take you out of your family. He wants to take you out of your church. He wants to take you out of your ministry. And he wants to make it where you can't come back. You can't come back for anything in the world. Job chapter one, verse number seven says it like this. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? Listen to this. God is talking to Satan. And he said, Satan, where'd, where'd you come from? Where did you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Now again, uh, I, I want to get to the last point and this is sort of introduction. But I just want us to understand something. The devil's not in hell. And neither are his demons. They're very active in this present world. Their goal is to, to see you fall. Their goal is to make you stumble. In fact, if you'll hold your place there, if you would, if you'll hold your place at Mark chapter one, I want you to turn over to Ephesians chapter six tonight in your Bibles. And all of our young people, I want you to turn over there. Hope you brought your Bibles tonight. Turn over to, to uh, Ephesians chapter number six and look at verse number 10 tonight. Ephesians chapter number six and look at verse number 10. And I want to show you how serious how serious this thing is. Ephesians chapter six and verse number 10. The Bible says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now watch what he says. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take in you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now what is the Bible teaching? The Bible's teaching this, that you and I ever Every single day of our life, we better gird ourselves with the, with the armor of the Lord. We cannot afford one day to go out and be lax and to relax and to think that the devil's not going to get us every single day. We've got to put on the armor of God, realizing that we have an adversary. Oh, listen to me. We have an adversary. And I know the devil comes to you and he'll say, I just want you to have fun. And the devil's not concerned about you having fun and the devil's not concerned about you having friends and the devil's not concerned about you having fame the devil wants to ruin your life and if you let him he'll take you to hell amen he will and here's what I'm saying that because of the location of Satan you and I cannot afford one solitary day to go out without the armor of God around us every single day they say pastor what, what, what are you talking about okay you, you can't afford to go out without reading this book Every single day, you've got to read this book. Well, you say, preacher, I read it on Monday. I didn't get a thing out of it. Then read it on Tuesday. And you say, well, well, well preacher, I did that. Didn't get anything out of it. Then read it on Wednesday. And every single day, 
When you go out into this world, you've got to spend time in the Word of God. And every single day, you need to spend time in prayer and walk with God and tell the Lord that you love Him and, and ask the Lord to go with you and ask the Lord to help you to walk in His Spirit. And every, you say, preacher, that's for grown-up people. No, that's for every people. That's for everybody because the devil is not just after your mom and the devil's not just after your dad and the devil's not just after the preacher, although he is. The devil is after you and he's not in hell. He's not bound in hell, brother. He is very active in this world and he wants to destroy you. Every single day, you need to make sure that you're protected. My wife and I, the other day, uh, week, week, the other day, yeah, the other day, uh, it really was the other day. It was about a week ago. And we were, we were outside uh, working. Uh, we, we were working in the yard and we were mowing and weeding and we were cutting limbs down, all kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and it was one of those really sunny days and it was pretty hot, you know, a hot day for May. And anyway, we'd been working for several hours. We'd been working right up until the evening when the sun's getting ready to go down. And then it, it dawned on me. I didn't wear a hat. Now, I know you don't believe that the sun could get through this bushy, bushy hair right here. I know you don't believe that. And, I, and by the way, when I started this 30 years ago, I had bushy, bushy hair, but now you see what pastoring does to you, amen? And I thought, and it just, you ever had one of those kind of moments you thought, oh man, what am I thinking? I always wear a hat when I'm out. I have to wear a hat when I'm out. And I was walking up the driveway and it dawned on me, what are you doing? You didn't wear a hat. Oh, brother. I went in the house, got in front of the mirror, and I put my head down, and sure enough, man, it was beet red. The sun burned my head up. Now, why is that? I didn't protect myself. I didn't protect myself. If you go out without wearing the armor of the Lord, I want you to understand something. Satan's not in hell. And, uh, and, and just, by the way, and just because you come to church, which that's wonderful, but just because you come to church doesn't mean you're protected. And so I want you to notice the location of the devil quickly. We'll hurry. How about this? Number two, I want you to notice the lie of the devil. Look at Mark chapter one again. Mark chapter one, look at verse number 24. Look at this. The Bible says in Mark chapter one, verse number 24, and this is the response of the demon to the Lord saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? Notice there. Now, really what this was, in a way, this was really a suggestion of sorts. And so they asked a question, but they asked a question in such a way as trying to, trying to cause people to question. You've come here to destroy this place of religion. By the way, that's how the devil works. He loves to lie. In fact, he's a master of liars. John chapter 8, verse number 44 says it like this. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Listen to me, kids, listen to me. If the devil is talking to you, you can mark it up. It's a lie. It's a lie. He never tells truth. It's always a lie. And the devil loves to, he loves to deceive. He loves to sow uh, seeds of dishonesty. 
Uh, now let me tell you what he'll do. He'll, 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 he'll give you lies like this. He'll say things like this. God's not fair. God's not fair. Well, if God was really fair, he wouldn't let that baby die. If God was really fair, he wouldn't have let COVID come. If God was really fair, he wouldn't have took my loved one. The devil will come and he'll use lies like this. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Don't worry about it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's smoking dope now. Everybody, don't you know, everybody's doing it? Well, I got news for y'all. Not everybody's doing it. That's a lie. He'll use lies like this. There's nothing wrong with it. He'll say things like this. It's normal. It's natural. I don't, don't worry about it. He'll say things like this. They just don't want you to have any fun. He'll, he'll say things like this. Church is just not for everyone. Or he'll say things like you can't understand the Bible. It's good for preacher and it's good for those, uh, you know, those deacons and things like that. But, but you, uh, you just, you, you can't understand the word of God. Now, again, I want you to understand that the devil is a liar. He's a liar. And the way that he got Eve to fall was by deception and by giving her a lie. And so we notice, number one, I want you to notice the location of this devil. I think it's so important. The devil's not in hell. Number two, notice the lie of this devil. But last of all, we're done tonight. Number three, I want you to notice the longing of this devil. Now, this, this is really what caught my attention. And this is what I wanted you to notice tonight. Mark chapter one, verse number 23, watch with me. The Bible says, and there, was, and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, watch now, and he cried out, here it is, saying, let us alone. And so we not only notice the location and the lie, but we notice the longing. The longing of this devil was this, just leave us be, leave us alone. In essence, what they were saying was this. We don't want you to change anything in this synagogue. Everything was fine before you got here. Just leave us alone. I could, I could come to the synagogue and not be bothered until you got here. What the devil was saying was this. We're satisfied with a service that is powerless. We like things the way they are. We're satisfied with average. And by the way, evidently, that's what they were used to. Because look at verse number 22. The Bible says in verse number 22, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority. Look at this. And not as the scribes. You know what the Bible's implying there? That service after service after service, it was just the same old rigmarole, uh, dead, powerless, lifeless. There was no passion. There was no excitement. They were not excited about the Lord. They were not excited about the law. They were not excited about the teachings of scripture uh, and, and all of a sudden one day the teacher of all teachers showed up and, and the master of all masters showed up and, uh, and it was totally different than what they had ever uh, been accustomed to and, and so this devil said to them leave us alone just leave us be in fact again this may not change your life but it's just interesting I believe as we read the word of God you know what church it appears that Satan had a stronghold in most of the synagogues in that area. 
You're in your Bibles, Mark chapter one, skip down to verse 38. Wow, verse 38. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns. Jesus, this is Jesus. Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth, look at verse 39. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. (laughs) Boy, evidently there was a lot of demon-possessed churches around that area. Now, these devils, I believe this, and we're, we're about done. These devils were strategically placed in these houses of worship to make sure that these synagogues, these houses of worship, to make sure that they settled for the status quo. Leave us alone. We're doing fine like we are. We have an average rabbi. We're okay with that. We're having average services. We're okay with that. We're having average responses. We're all right with that. We've got average church members. We're okay with that. The the, the truth of the matter is, Calvary, that most churches fall in that category that I just told you just then. Most churches are satisfied with little power, little passion, little life, few miracles, no changed lives. It's the same thing every single Sunday. I mean, you, you, you know, you don't, you don't even, it's, it's like a bunch of robots. They know exactly what they're going to do, when they're going to do it. It's the same song at the same time, at the same exact point every time in the service. And the preacher just preaches some kind of little sermonette to a lot of church members. And they walk in one way and they walk out the same way. And nobody's the difference and nobody's any better. And, and, and oh. Oh, listen to me. That's why these devils were in this church. I've candidated, and, and I know some of you fellows have too, I've candidated in churches where at 12 o'clock, buzzers went off. You say, Pastor, you're joking. I'm not joking. It's happening all over America. In fact, just this week, I read a story about a preacher who went to preach at a church, he didn't know. He went to preach at a church and he was up preaching and while he was, I mean, he's full blown into his sermon and the clock struck 12. And the pianist got up out of her seat, walked up to the piano and started playing the benediction or whatever you want to call it and and, uh, the postlude or whatever you want to call it and started playing it down. The ladder he got, the ladder she got. And in essence, she was saying, it's 12. We're done. That's where a lot of churches are. By the way, I'm telling you the truth tonight. It's sad that in many churches, God is placed on a time limit. So God, uh, I tell you what, if you'll show up at 11, you've got from 11 to 11.59. And so you better do something. And you know what I believe? I believe that makes God sick. And I believe that's why God is not doing much at a lot of churches because we have, we have, uh, we have put God on a time limit. Uh, it's sad. And you know what I'm telling you is the truth. Congregations are singing very little. Sometimes congregations aren't even singing one congregational song. Fellowship is kept to a bare minimum. Sermons are preached. Sermons are preached, but not a message from God. Invitations are no longer given. You say, What's going on, Brother Steve? I'll tell you what's going on. Our churches are filled with devils. And those devils are there to make sure those churches stay with the status quo. Don't you change. Don't you get fired up. Don't you get excited. 
Leonard Ravenhill said it like this, I do not know if Nero fiddled while Rome burned, but I do know that the church sleeps while hell is burning. Boy, it is sad, church. This is just a little preventive maintenance type preaching tonight. It's sad to see so many churches that are dead. Dead as a hammer. Y'all know what I'm telling you? This is the truth tonight. I mean dead, sad. Just dead, nothing. Choir's dead, preaching's dead. Uh, organization's dead. Invitations, if they even have one, invitations are dead. I mean just dead as last year's Thanksgiving turkey, just dead. In fact, you heard, I know you did, you heard of the church where uh, in the service, in the service, dead, dead church, in the service, a man killed over, dead, in the service. They called the MS and said, man, we've got a guy just, just collapsed. He's dead. We want you to come and get him. And the MS came and carried three people out before they found the right one. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Someone said it like this. Live churches, hear, hear this. Live churches' expenses are always more than their income. Dead churches don't need much money. Live churches have parking problems. Dead churches have empty spaces. Live churches have some noisy children. Dead churches are quiet as a cemetery. Live churches keep changing their ways of doing things. Dead churches see no need for change. Live churches grow so fast you can't keep up with the people's names. In dead churches, everybody always knows everybody's name. Live churches strongly support world missions. Dead churches keep the money at home. Live churches are full of regular, cheerful givers. Dead churches are full of grudging tippers. Live churches move ahead on prayer and faith. Dead churches work only on sight. Live churches plant daughter churches. Dead churches fear spending the money, time, and talent. Live churches outgrow their Sunday school facilities. Dead churches have room to spare. Live churches welcome all classes of people. Dead churches stick to their own kind. Live church members read their Bibles and bring them to church. Dead church members seldom do. Live church members enthusiastically support the ministries. Dead churches have no ministries, only functions. Live church members look for someone they can help. Dead church members look for something to complain about. Live church members reach out to share their faith in Christ. Dead church members don't have anything to share. Leadership Magazine recently ran an article on how churches are doing presently. And this is what the, the, the article said. It said 80% of churches in America are dead or dying. Boy, Houston, we got a problem. I'm not picking on anybody tonight. Another survey was done by the Southern Baptist Convention, which, by the way, is the largest Protestant denomination in America, 15 million members 30,000 churches, they did a survey and it concluded that 70% of Southern Baptist churches are declining or have plateaued. We're done. But this is what I'm trying to preach tonight. You know what our prayer ought to be at Calvary Baptist Church? Lord, don't leave us alone. Amen. Don't leave us alone. Because I guarantee you there's some spirits. There's some devils in Union Grove that the devil's going to try to 
insert into the ministries of the Calvary Baptist Church. And those devils are going to say, let us be. (laughs) We're doing okay. (laughs) We don't need to change. We don't need to do more. We don't need to. Did you see the crowd the other day? Almost every chair was filled. We don't need to do any more. Oh, listen, our prayer at Calvary ought to be, Satan, get out of here. We ought to plead the blood of Satan over this, uh, the blood of Jesus over Satan and over this place. And our prayer ought to be, God, don't leave us alone. God, don't leave us like we are. Oh, God, send the fire. Oh, God, send your blessing at the Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove, North Carolina. Did you know that we as Christians cannot afford to become complacent and satisfied? Calvary, we're, we're, we're done. It don't help if I say that, does it? It doesn't help. But anyway. So we, got, so we got to the place down here at the old building. We got to the place where we were not 80% full. We were like 150% full. And the temptation was, the temptation was to say, we don't need to do anything else. We're full, preacher. We're over full, preacher. And so God has blessed us with a beautiful, beautiful new campus and a beautiful, and it's beautiful, isn't it? It's okay for you to say that. Here in our crowd, it is beautiful. And we thank God for this beautiful campus that God has given us. But now, God's filling it up. And the temptation, the temptation is to say, we're okay. Just leave us alone. We're doing okay. Man, I found this story. I, I got to give this story. But before I give you the story, let me give you a statement. Someone said, Jesus will lift you out of the deepest pit, but he will not lift you out of your armchair. Dr. Tony Evans told this story. He said, I've abided over the last 20 years with American Airlines. They've been my airline of choice, and as a result, I've been awarded a level of intimacy. The level of intimacy is called platinum. They've awarded my consistency with them. That platinum card affords me various privileges that come simply because I have the card. I can ride first class if the first class seats haven't been purchased. I can get bumped up simply because I have this platinum card and I have flown two million miles with American over the years. They've given me a card that says I am a preferred customer. They send things to my house because they appreciate the fact that I've abided with them. They like the fact that they can pretty much count on me to fly American when I travel. When I walk up to a booth, if people are ahead of me and first class is full, they have a waiting list. If they tell me that they have gold members in front of me, I pull out my platinum card. My status bumps me to the top of the list. I take precedence because I have a deeper, longer, and more regular relationship with American than the gold members do. However, once a man behind me asked the clerk if there were any first-class seats, The clerk told him there were, but then added that the first person, which was him, the first person was a platinum member and would be awarded the upgrade first. The man reached into his pocket and pulled out an executive platinum card. (laughs) Dr. Evans said, I felt like slapping him. (laughs) 
To remain platinum, you have to fly 50,000 miles a year. To be executive platinum, you, you, have, fly, you have to fly 100,000 miles a year. When I walked up to the counter, hear me now, when I walked up to the counter, they let me know they liked me by putting me first. When he came up, they let me know they loved him. His level of abiding was deeper. Some Christians are satisfied with gold status. Others are happy with platinum. And yet, there are a few who are only satisfied with executive platinum. I ask you a question. What kind are you? What kind of Christians are we at Calvary Baptist Church? Satisfied with gold? Or man, are we seeking for that executive platinum? We want to do everything we can do for the cause of Jesus Christ. I know this is a little different for a Wednesday night. But Calvary, may we never get to the place where we say, Lord, we're doing all right. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. I hope that we'll never be satisfied with the natural and the normal and the average and the mediocre. I hope we'll always be searching for more. By the way, I'm talking about church, but let me ask you about your spiritual life. How is it with your spiritual life? You know, we ought never get satisfied where we are spiritually speaking, with our Christian life. If you're reading a chapter a day, maybe you ought to think about starting to read two. If you're spending 10 minutes in prayer a day, maybe you ought to think about bumping it up to 20. If you are occasionally faithful, maybe you ought to think about, man, I, I, need, to, I need to ratchet it up. I need to be more faithful. Lord, Never leave us alone. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll help us at Calvary Baptist Church never to get satisfied. God, help us never to come to that place where we become complacent, satisfied with an average service, satisfied with an average mediocre church, Satisfied in our Christian walk. Lord, 2020 was a, a good year as far as spiritual, spirituality is concerned. I'm talking about for me personally, I believe. But God, I want 2021 to be better. God, I want to go to a new level. I want to achieve more. I want to abide more, like Dr. Evans said. I want, I want to, Lord, I want to get closer. God, I want to walk closer to you. I don't want to get satisfied in my Bible reading, and my Bible memorization, and my prayer life. God, I don't want to get satisfied in my, in my soul winning. I don't want to get satisfied in my preaching. God, I want to go. I, I, I want to go as high as I can go for you. I want to accomplish as much as I can possibly accomplish for the sake of the Savior. Father, I pray that you'll, you'll help us tonight. Maybe you'd lay it on the heart of a Christian tonight who would say, I'm getting ready to read two chapters a day. I was only reading one. I'm gonna read two. Maybe someone's reading five. They'd say, I'm gonna read six. 
Maybe someone that's here tonight would say, I'm not memorizing any scripture, but I'm going to start. Maybe there's a Christian here tonight, Lord, that really hasn't developed their prayer life. But tonight they'd say, Lord, I'm going to. Maybe there's someone here tonight who, maybe they didn't say it verbally, but with their actions, they sort of said, Lord, just leave me alone. I'm okay the way I am. God, tonight I pray that you'll help us at Calvary Baptist Church to take it to a whole new level in the next few months. Help us, we pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two tonight before we go. I wonder how many are here tonight and you'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I am saved. I've, I've been born again and I know that I'm going to heaven. If you can honestly say that with nobody looking, would you just slip your hand up tonight? You'd say, that's me. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. Yes. But can I ask the second question? I wonder how many are here tonight would say, Brother Pope, I'm going to be honest. Preacher, I'm going to be honest with you. If I died tonight, I'm not sure. I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven. I want you to pray for me tonight. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you this evening. You'd slip your hand up. Slip your hand up right now. Let me pray for you. Is there one anywhere, pastor, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure about heaven. I want to go, but I'm not sure. Would you pray for me? Is there one right now? You'd slip your hand up and let me pray for you. Is there one? Oh, Calvary, this is all I'm preaching. Don't get satisfied. Don't get satisfied with your marriage. Don't get complacent, husband. You know, it would be a great thing for some husbands to go home tonight and say, Lord, would you help me to take it to the next level? Hey, ladies, don't get satisfied. You say, oh, preacher, I'm doing all right. That's what I'm preaching about. Lord, leave me alone. I fix an occasional meal. I do my best I can with the kids. Maybe tonight, some folks would say, Lord, help us to take it to the next level. Let's all stand tonight, if you would, please. Father, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts. Lord, I, I pray that you'll bring the increase from what was uh, given tonight. And Lord, it could be there's somebody here this evening that needs to be born again. And I pray in just a moment that you'll help them to come. Lord, I know the aisles seem long, but I pray that you'll help them to come. I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And God, if there's someone here tonight that needs to be born again, I pray that you'll help them to come right now. Lord, it could be somebody's watching by way of live stream right now. Father, would you help them to call that number that's on their stream? Would you help them to call that number? Lord, we have somebody that wants to pray with them over the phone right now. Would you help them right now to reach for their phone and to call that number? God, help us to take it in 2021. God, help us to take it to the next level. Help us never to get satisfied. Help us never to become complacent in anything we do, anything we do. Have your way in this invitation, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name.